Welcome to Security Talks Weekly, the audio show that explores the intersections between cybersecurity, digitalization, and education. I'm your host, Alexandre Maral, and this podcast is brought to you by the Swiss Cyber Institute, the human-centric cybersecurity education center and digital community in Switzerland. In this episode, we're going to go over intelligence-driven incident response and the value of digital forensics. I assume that you probably already heard that using a well-conceived incident response plan in the aftermath of a security breach enables your team to identify attackers and learn how they operate. But it's only when you approach incident response with a cyber threat intelligence mindset that you'll truly understand the value of that information. So today, I interview Sylvan Hirsch, responsible for digital forensics and incident response at Mendiant, and the co-lead of the Cyber French Tech in Singapore. We discuss ransomware attacks, the SolarWinds incident, and even the recent Log4j vulnerability among the real-life examples of how cyber threat intelligence can impact your security. Sylvain, I'm super excited that you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you for the invite. No, as a matter of fact, I think I'm the one who needs to be thanking you for coming here, Sylvain, because I must admit, I'm already feeling like part of CSI, you know, going after perpetrators based on forensic evidence. So really excited because today we're going to be discussing the value of digital forensics and intelligence analysis within cybersecurity. And to give an introduction to our listeners as well, what would be the added value, Sylvain, of including this process of gathering intelligence into an instant response process? All right. Thanks for the really interesting question. So, so before explaining the value of intelligence in incident response and the incident response process, I think it is worth explaining what cyber threat intelligence is. So cyber threat intelligence is an evidence-based knowledge of the adversary, and that's the product of information that has been processed and disseminated about attackers and the motive, the intent, and the capability. The intelligence will really provide defender a decision advantage. Um, these several like overall benefits and objective about intelligence from a high-level perspective is going to provide some support for strategic risk management decision. And at the more operational level, it's really going to drive and guide all the cyber defense function. And in terms of incidents response, particularly, it's really going to guide and drive the incident response process. So it's going to speed up the full process in order to accelerate the response time and minimize the impact. And that's what we want at the end of the day, isn't it? To make sure that we have a quick and efficient response in case anything happens, because well, we need to know what we're dealing with, uh, what's the attack, who's the threat actor, so we can adjust our security measures. And I imagine that that's one thing that we need to establish if we're thinking about an intelligence capability. It should be done or created ahead of any crucial hacks, for example. So even before talking about like being breached or being under a cyber attack, I think it's good to understand that intelligence is the lifeblood of the cyber uh, defense capabilities. So it's going to help detecting cyber threats, 
uh, from a reactive way where we're going to have an alert being generated also from a more proactive uh, perspective where um, uh, threat hunters are going to proactively look into the network to try to identify cyber attack going on. And then it's also going to help uh, during that response. I think one point which is extremely important to know, and that's always something that I explain to, to everyone, is intelligence must be accurate, timely, and actionable. So it is extremely important that the intelligence is accurate, like no one will be able to take a good decision, and this could have a potential impact on the defender. Then the timely part is extremely important because if the intelligence doesn't come on time to the analyst, there is no value behind it. And then the last point, which is probably the hardest, it's the actionable part. It is really important that the threat intelligence feeds ingested automatically into the processes and that it could be used. We have to understand that today we are basically dealing with thousands and hundreds of thousands of indicators of compromise and technique and tactic used by threat actors. So this intelligence has to be ingested automatically to be useful. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So it needs to be accurate. It needs to be on time. And as you said, the information needs to be relevant so that we're able to take actions based on what we gather and really helps out in the entire response process. But I'd love to hear a little bit of your own experience, Sylvain, working at Mendiant. Adopting this intelligence analysis in place, has it had any big changes, you know, in the way the organization operates or maybe in the cybersecurity chain? How does it affect, you know, the entire security ecosystem? Yeah, of course. I mean, as I said, cyber-trained intelligence is really going to provide the defender an advantage. So, I mean, just to provide uh, a real scenario, few months back, I was working on a, on a large ransomware incident. So today, everyone is facing a ransomware attack. And the process that we, that we always use is we scope the environment to identify the system that has been infected. And after that, we deep dive into those systems. And we always apply, at Mendiant, we always applied our intelligence. And with this intelligence and with the, the TTPs, the tactic, technique, and procedure that we've been seeing uh, during previous attack. During that ransomware investigation, we managed to find an advanced persistent threat actors. So that was a national state cyber attack that has been happening for several years over the network. And after that incident, I went back into the analysis that we've been performing. And honestly, without proper intelligence, that advanced uh, threat actors would have never been detected into the network. So... Literally, when we say intelligence-driven incident response is not a buzzword, with good intelligence, that's we manage to find advanced uh, threat actors into the environment and also that just speed up the entire process. And I think one point which is extremely important to, to note is we don't try to be fast just for the fun of being fast. We try to be as fast as possible to limit uh, the impact and minimize the impact on the business and ensuring the business continuity. So Sylvain, this entire how we deal with threats, the process has changed a lot over the past few years especially if we look at traditional gathering of forensics or intelligence analysis. So what are some of the biggest changes that are taking place in this area? And in terms of breaches as well, right? Could you mention some cases where this directly impacted 
the way that businesses responded, for example, to incidents? Yeah, so I think there's two parts of that question. The first part will be really the evolution of traditional forensic to more probably at, at scale incident response. I mean, it's important to, we often speak about DFIR, which is digital forensic and incident response, which is going to focus on the identification, the analysis, and the remediation to cyber attack. The biggest change that happened over the last few years is, is the process that we've been applying in order to, to manage and investigate the cyber breaches. So previously in traditional forensic, we used to take one system that could be a laptop or server that has been infected. We probably used to do a bit by bit copy. So copy the entire system and start doing a deep dive analysis. Whereas today, and again, that's also come just to minimizing the impact and quickly understanding the threat actors activity in the network, we're simply going to remotely connect to all the system in the environment to swap the environment and manage to identify the infected system. And then we're not going to collect the entire disk of that infected system. We're only going to collect several uh, forensic artifacts that will provide us the ability to reconstruct the event uh, and recreate the full timeline of the attack. So the purpose is really to understand what happened, how the threat actors enter into the network, how the threat actors move into it, and what, what was the objective of the threat actors. Did he steal any data? Did he, did he destroy anything? Did he modify anything? So that's the first thing. We really move from, I will say, a single system analysis to a large-scale analysis. I think that today, and we, we can see it with the sophistication and also the increase in numbers of cyber breaches. I mean, today, every day, these companies and organizations that has been facing ransomware cyber attack. I think we basically deal with that type of attack every day and we use that incident response process. But then we're getting also one of the evolution because that was the second part of your question. I think one of the biggest challenge today is the supply chain attack. We face probably one of the biggest uh, supply chain attack with solar winds. And with this supply chain attack, we realize that even organizations with good uh, prevention and detection capabilities struggle to identify zero days being exploited or this software that has been previously modified by threat actors and that manage and give them the ability to access the network. That's why it is really important to have the ability to prevent and detect cyber attack but also, as I always state, to have an incident response plan in order to be able to speed up the response and also the radiation part when uh, dealing with a cyber incident. Absolutely. SolarWinds was definitely a big one from last year where we could see how the entire supply chain could get impacted from it. So the need to know what you're dealing with, right? Having the evidence, as you alluded to, to reconstruct the attack to learn what's the history behind it, you know? What were they after? Did they change something? What did they do? That all will allow us to predict maybe what the next similar incidents might look like. Am I right there, Sylvain? Uh, I mean, you totally right. I mean, that's the purpose of, of relevant intelligence. That's also the goal of having threat actors attribution. If we know that one threat actors used this tactic, technique, and procedure to, in the past, as soon as we start dealing with the same threat actors, we basically can look for specific pattern into the network. And that intelligence will really speed up the process. So having knowledge on the threat actor side 
really speed up the entire process and also help us to determine the objective of the threat actors in order to, again, minimize the impact on the business. And I think that's, that's always key. That's the main purpose. Oh, that's certainly key. And if we think of vulnerabilities, I think the log4j vulnerability could also be another case for us to mention here today. If we're thinking about, you know, business continuity, many people have been affected by this uh, log4g vulnerability, and they were worried about if their systems were still secure or had they been compromised. So how can we see the practical applications of digital forensics in a situation such as this, for example, you know, in the defender's perspective, you have vulnerability, you're trying to fix it, know who are the perpetrators. It certainly was a major issue. I mean, when we start with, uh, like, if we take the example of Log4G, at one point that vulnerability has been announced publicly and, and thousands and hundreds of thousands of companies starting to realize that they could have been impacted because for several months, threat actors could have exploited this vulnerability. Some company were pretty lucky because even if they had the vulnerability in like the software, no threat actors exploited this vulnerability. So they were on the safe side. Whereas we've seen on previous like engagement over the last few months that there are threat actors that has been exploiting this vulnerability. I mean, from a threat actors, uh, from a defender perspective, I think this is extremely challenging and that's why it's going to be one of the biggest challenges, in my opinion, over the next few years is that company has to rely on external software. And even if right now we've got regulators that ask companies to assess the software that you've been using, I think it is extremely difficult for even multinational companies to be able to assess that. Because if a multinational company will, is able to do that, everyone will be able to do that, at least the company itself providing the software. So that's, again, I think there is no way to be completely secure. And I think that's, that's important to understand that. So there is, even with good prevention uh, system in place, one day a company is going to face an incident. I think there's two things that can be, uh, that can be used by uh, companies that have realized that is first to get good detection capabilities in place because if the time between the attack, the beginning of the attack and the detection time is short, the threat actors would have less time to perform any malicious activity. So in that case, having a good detection mechanism is key. And then again is cyber attack are going to impact your organization tomorrow. Every organization is going to face one or several uh, cyber attack over the next few years. So get ready for that, have a proper process in place and have relevant people that can help you to resolve that incident quickly. Perfect. So the very first step is having that detection capability and then implementing the process, knowing where to go, the people you can rely on in your organization. But I imagine it must be quite a challenge to do all of this at scale. So if we're talking about multinational companies with hundreds of suppliers and vendors as we're doing so far. Are there any different processes to be taken into account there when we're thinking about incident response at a huge scale? I mean, that's also where, that's also where come the values of the cyber threat intelligence. If all the security system and the detection system in place are connected to relevant intelligence, people will be able to detect cyber incident quicker. Because if we just take an example, if we realize if you got one system that has been infected, nothing has been 
are detected, but the threat actors connect to an IP which is known by in like the intelligence that this is a bad IP or like an IP linked to a threat actor's activity, that could raise an alert and then an investigation can start. So as I stated in the beginning, I think like intelligence is key and is really the lifeblood of cyber defense function in terms of detection, and that could be proactive or reactive detection, as well as in the response process. Do you have any suggestions, Sylvain, for a company that's, let's say, they're trying to establish their intelligence capabilities, they realize the benefits gathering digital forensics could bring to their security team, but how do they kickstart a program like that, you know? What are the very first steps to implement a digital forensics analysis? So I think that probably everything will start with a risk management because it is impossible to remediate all risk. When we speak about risk management, risk management is, is also a challenge because first, companies have to understand what's the value, what's the crown jewel, uh, what do they really want to protect? They need to understand exactly the scope, what they want to protect, what's the inventory. And after that, they could move on to the risk management process in order to determine which risks are accepted and which risks have to be mitigated. That's the first step, a good risk management. Then I think if, uh, like, especially that's the current challenge in with small, medium company that don't have a budget, that probably not exactly aware yet, that cyber risk is a risk for the organization. So that primary one is budget and knowledge and skills internally. So that's why sometimes it would be good to rely on consulting company that will provide expertise to start somewhere. And starting somewhere could be defining an incident response plan, also just starting to improve the detection capability. We often speak in cybersecurity about defense in depth. So it's really important that we need several layers of security so we can implement that first. And after that, we've got also all the processes in place. If we face a cyber incident, what are we going to do? So that's why a lot of companies also choose to tabletop exercise, for example, which is going to be a non-technical uh, exercise that are going to simulate a cyber attack. And just having the people all together on the table, people will know their role, responsibility, and duty while facing a cyber attack because you don't want to be unprepared when you face one. Oh, you definitely don't. And I hope that our listeners don't have to learn that the hard way, <laughs> um, especially since we, they can take advantage of our discussion here on the podcast and you know further research, develop themselves on cyber and so on. But let's try to wrap up all of this. Uh, if we're thinking about the future, how do you see the segment of digital forensics going forward? Would it be an opportunity for organizations and individuals as well that are working on security and trying to specialize in a new area? So I will, I will say first, what I've been realizing over the last few months and also in, in Switzerland, in the, in the French part of Switzerland, like two public company or organization face a, a ransomware activity. And I could see that all the organizations starting to realize and really be aware of that risk because we have to understand that for example, a ransomware for a company which is not prepared to face one could basically lose everything. And what I mean, everything is not simply laptop or data. It could be the entire business being shut down. Some companies don't have backups. 
And even if the parents are, they're never going to recover the data. So I think that's the risk to understand. Cyber threats could close your business. So I would say my advice, and that will be the advice for small, medium company as well as individual. Everyone uh, knows that this is challenging to defend themselves against cyber threats. But being aware and having back practices, for example, having a backup, even if you're an organization or an individual, have a backup. This is key. And also these few elements that are really relevant in terms of protecting themselves. We always speak about bad password, but we've been realizing with past engagement that threat actors use password and like, like, manage to guess password to break into system. So these few cyber engine that are important to follow in order to be cyber secure. Then in terms of people, if people want to jump into the cyber like well, I mean, there's so many opportunities and as well online, there's really a lot of good resource. So, I mean, choose Google it or feel free also to contact me or you can even check the article that I wrote for the Cyber Swiss Institute because at the end I also states a lot of good resource for people that would like to, to start a new career into cyber world or just improve themselves. Perfect. And we'll link the article Sylvain is referring to down in the description. So, you know, make sure to check that out as well. But for now, I'd like to thank you once again for joining us in the podcast, Sylvain. It was certainly a pleasure to have you here. Thanks to you. Thanks for the invite. I'm always happy if people start to be aware. So get cyber safe and see you later. Thanks for joining our conversation today. If you haven't already, subscribe to us in your favorite podcast listening app and get a brand new insightful episode every week. Security Talks Weekly is produced by the Swiss Cyber Institute and hosted by me, Alexandre Maral. The Swiss Cyber Institute is the human-centric cybersecurity education center and digital community in Switzerland. And our guest of today, Sylvan Hirsch, responsible for digital forensics and incident response at Mendiant. If you have any questions regarding what we talked about, head over to the Swiss Cyber Institute's website and contact us. We read every comment and we might answer a specific question in a later episode. At the website, you'll also find our interview series with security experts as well as some helpful resources. There, we offer the Swiss Cyber Institute's courses, the most practice-oriented and interactive cybersecurity training in the market. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time. Ciao!